0: Well, good morning, my friends. It is June 1st, and we are in Revelation chapter 11. I loved uh, talking in Revelation chapter 10 about the angel and the little scroll. Now we're going to get into the two witnesses, and this may take a couple days. So let's uh, get started with a word of prayer. Lord, I ask you to open my eyes and our eyes and enhance our understanding so that we can grasp what you want us to learn today. I also ask you to enable us by your spirit to apply the truths we learn today to our daily lives and to be guided moment by moment by your word. Let's go to our memory verse in Revelation chapter one, verse three, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near near. And now let's go to Revelation chapter 11. As we look at the witnesses, again, yesterday we looked at the little scroll and how the word of God can be sweet. And in this particular situation, it was sweet but also bitter because as he ate the scroll, the bitterness was the reality of the judgment that was coming. So we turn to the two witnesses and what I believe uh, a description is a description of the new temple. I think the final temple uh, not everybody believes that, but it's what I believe. Uh, in chapter 11, verse 1, then I was given a measuring rod. This is John giving a measuring rod like a staff. And I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. I believe this is proof that there is a temple. There has to be a temple, I believe, for in order for the Antichrist to defile it. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible, the measuring rod, was a bamboo-like reed that was light and rigid, and it was used to measure things. Now, there are uh, multiple applications here or scenarios. Uh, Some expositors expositors believe that this is to measure the character of the people um, at this time. Some view this, um, the temple and the Jews have been measured and found to be apostate. In need of revival and restoration, and eventually the Jews will be restored to the Messiah when they call out for deliverance. Um, I believe it's an actual measurement of the temple. Um, again, it is, it is just what I believe. Um, and it goes on to talk about this in verse 2. Uh, but do not measure the outer court, the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. Uh, the Gentiles were prohibited from entering the inner court of the temple. You'll remember a time in the Book of Acts where, where Paul brought uh, offerings in, and he brought a couple Gentiles with him, and then they accused him of bringing him farther into the temple, which turned out to be false. But it didn't matter the, to them that it was true or not; they were just trying to get uh, uh, Paul in trouble. But the Jews were, not, or the Gentiles were, not allowed to go any farther. They could be absolutely um, it would, the enforcement was the death penalty. But in this situation, they were, uh, uh, they were permitted to access the outer court. But in this situation, they're not. God's instruction that John was not to bother measuring the outer court with the Gentiles symbolizes God's rejection of the unbelieving Gentiles for their opposition to the Jews here. God's covenant people for 42 months, three and a half years, which would have been the first three and a half years of the Tribulation. Remember, the great tribulation actually starts in the middle of the uh, seven-year period, and then it says it's given over to the nations. This is something that has happened. Jerusalem has has been trampled many times. It's been oppressed many times. Uh, we, we we remember in the book of Daniel um, when it talks uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We talk about the Assyrians, the Babylon uh, Babylonians, the. Medo-Persians, the Grecians, uh, armies, and then finally Rome. During the tribulation period, the holy city will be oppressed by the Antichrist and his forces. And again, the Antichrist will proclaim himself to be God and set up an image of himself in the Jewish temple, thereby defiling it. In order for him to do that, there has to be a Jewish temple built. So this will be the last temple. In 2 Thessalonians 2.4, you can look that up, late, up uh, later. The Antichrist defiles the temple, much like was done during Roman times in AD 70, and much like that was done by Antiochus who um, defiled the temple as well. As the holy city is being trampled by Gentile forces, apparently during the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, God shelters the Jews as he has done on multiple occasions in their history. And in the wilderness uh, from these evil forces, these Jews, will be will exit Jerusalem right after the midpoint of the tribulation when the Antichrist exalts himself as God. And you can look that up. I'm going to leave you some scriptures to look up today in Matthew chapter 24, 20 through 22. Sometimes I go so fast you can't get to them, and sometimes I feel like I do all the work for you. And so I want you today and uh, to look these scriptures up later. So that's Matthew 24, 20 through 22. Matt, remember Matthew chapter 24, kind of fits in with Revelation uh, and uh, and the end time period. Some of it is um, in Matthew 24 and 25 is second coming. Some of it is rapture. Some of it is the tribulation period. In in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3, let's go on. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses. Here's the first mention of the two witnesses. And they will prophesy for 1,260 days, And they be clothed in sackcloth. Uh, If you remember as we talk about the witnesses and what's required for something to be found to be true, in Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 6, it says out of the mouth of two witnesses. So God is consistent from the old to the new. And here we are in the book of Revelation and he says there will be two witnesses and these two witnesses will confirm God's truth. those living in tribulation times God always does things righteously and justly so no one can can justly come against him so he sends his two witnesses the time frame of these two witnesses 1260 days equals three and a half years this period is elsewhere defined as 42 months in revelation 11 verse 2 and a time and times and a half a time in Revelation 12, 14. A time, write this down, is one year, and uh, times is two years and a half a time is a half a year. So that you have the three and a half years. So how long are they um, allowed to profit? I will grant authority for my witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days for those three and a half years. It's not clear from Revelation 11 whether it's in the first three and a half or the second three and a half, but I believe with uh, some of the commentators that it will be in the first three and a half years because um, their resurrection will have a huge impact at at that midpoint, right? It seems best to conclude that their two witnesses do their miraculous works during the first three and a half years. This really ticks a lot of people off, and we're going to see that um, it ticks them off. And their response to these witnesses is amazing. Then it says they're clothed in sackcloth. Uh, this is an Old Testament thing that we've seen. We've seen uh, repentance in sackcloth and ashes. You'll remember that in Nineveh. Uh, but in uh, Genesis chapter 37 and 34, it also symbolizes mourning. The mourning is over the wretched spiritual condition and lack of repentance in the world. So they're not repenting. But they're mourning over the lack of repentance that is going on in uh, the the world, and especially in the Jewish nation. Verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Now, this goes back to Old Testament understanding. The imagery is from Zechariah chapter 3 and chapter 4. And Bible expositors offer um, several interpretations. One understanding is that the lamps in biblical days were typically typically fueled by olive oil. The reference to olive trees and lampstands is believed to symbolize the light of spiritual revival. So these guys represent spiritual revival. They represent the olive oil, the olive branches, the olive trees. And the preaching of the two witnesses will bring this light of revival during the dark days of the tribulation. It doesn't say that their uh, witness is but it's it's purposeful. Other Bible expositors relate this imagery to the Holy Spirit in Zechariah chapter four, verses two through fourteen, uh, and it focuses on Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel the governor. Zerubbabel, I said that too fast. Both these individuals were empowered by the Holy Spirit, something symbolized by the olive oil. Now, remember in the Old Testament, and now in the Book of Revelation, because. Uh, the restrainer is gone, which is the Holy Spirit, and the church is gone. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit uh, rested outwardly on an individual represented by oil. Uh, remember, the uh, King David was anointed with oil. There was this representation of the Holy Spirit externally. And in, in the book of Revelation, I believe it's the same. It's going to be an external representation of the Holy Spirit. And so we see this, and uh, whether this represents... Um, Uh, revival or the light of the gospel or the presence of the Holy Spirit externally on these two witnesses, um, you know, we don't really know. But whatever it is, we know that God is present in these two witnesses. Verse 5, and if anyone would harm them because they're wanting to do harm to them because they're preaching and teaching and and they represent God, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. Fire represents... um, Judgment, right? I don't believe it's literal fire. I believe the words that are spoken are have the power of um, of the wrath of God and the power uh, representation of God, and uh, and it consumes them. If anyone would harm them, this is how. He is doomed to be killed. I believe that literal fire comes from their mouth, but I believe the judgment of the word of God comes upon them. And almost like an Ananias and Sapphira situation, if you will, where they lied to the Holy Spirit and lying to the Holy Spirit, Ananias and Sapphira died. That's what I picture here. That's just me. I picture that. uh, And that's in Acts chapter five, if you want to look that up. Uh, Remember in Jesus' situation uh, and in John chapter seven, Verses six to eight and in other uh, occasions when they came against Jesus, they were not allowed to harm him. And he kept saying, my time has not come. Right. He would slip out through the crowd. He would disappear. All of these things. He said, my time has not come. So they weren't able to harm him until he submitted to the end to his death and uh, and to his crucifixion. So it was all in God's timetable. And the two witnesses will also be protected In God's timetable, so we're going to see this that uh, there is uh, there is a an end to their ministry, but that end is not the judgment of man. It's it's the timetable of God as He gives them time to represent Him on this earth, and as they speak, uh, the judgment of God comes through their mouth. And this is God again. Showing his righteous judgment and his righteous wrath. If you want to look up a couple of scriptures, you can look at Nahum, N A H U M, Nahum chapter one verse six and Jeremiah four four, talking about the wrath of God and the fire of God representing the wrath of God. Verse six: They have the power, meaning the witnesses, to shut the sky. They. Uh, that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying, and they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague and as often as they desire. So remember, they're here for three and a half years. And while they're doing these things, they're getting more and more hated, as you can understand. Number one, the people that are on the earth at this time they're, he's, they're talking to are people in great rebellion, Jews and Gentiles alike. Great rebellion. And so the judgment of God is coming. So they have uh, the power to shut up the sky so it doesn't rain. They have the power to turn off the waters. They have the power to turn water to blood. They have power to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And uh, of course they're going to be hated because they represent the judgment of God and the wrath of God and they're instruments of both. And so people look at them and say, well, we know who they are then because they want to go back to the Old Testament and take a look at who represents uh, that power, the power to shut up the sky, the power to shut up uh, and cause it not to rain, the power uh, of judgment upon God. Now, some expositors, because of that, believe that these supernatural signs must be an indication that these two witnesses are Moses and Elijah. And let's just, for the last couple minutes, let's go through a few, uh, five little uh, um, reasons why they could be these two. Number one, in the tribulation period, God deals with the Jews just as he did in the first 69 weeks of Daniel. Moses and Elijah are two of the most influential figures in Jewish history. Their appearance during the tribulation period would thus make good sense. So it could be Moses and Elijah. I'm not telling you it is. Some believe that it's Moses and Elijah for that reason. Number two, both Old Testament and Jewish tradition expect Moses and Elijah to return in the future. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses says, a prophet is coming in my likeness out of you, at uh, one of your brothers, and you will listen to him. And then in, Elijah, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, he says, before the end comes, I will send Elijah And some believe that's John the Baptist in that situation. And some here believe that this would be Elijah and Moses coming at the end. Number three, Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember Matthew chapter 17 where Jesus is transfigured and who is there? But Moses and Elijah, well, if they're there at that point, then god 's probably going to use them again, but that again that 's just one opinion. this shows their centrality, therefore, we might expect them to appear. Number four, the miracles portrayed in Revelation eleven are similar to those performed by Moses and Elijah. Remember in exodus uh, chapter seven through eleven the plagues that came upon the Egyptian people, and who brought those Moses. God used Moses to bring about that. And then in 1 Kings chapter 17, who shuts up the heavens? It's God. And who does he use? He uses Elijah. So again, some people believe that it's Moses and Elijah. Number five, both Moses and Elijah left the earth in unusual ways, right? Elijah never died, but rather was transported into heaven in a fiery chariot. And God supernaturally buried Moses in an unknown location. Remember, there was a battle was Satan and Michael, I believe it was over the body of Moses, maybe because the the enemy didn't want Moses to return in some supernatural way, right? So he wanted to cart Moses' body away. So there's a, a few reasons why some people believe that it's Moses and Elijah. These are some of the reasons. Uh, we don't know. Other uh, Bible expositors have suggested that perhaps the two witnesses will be Enoch and Elijah because Enoch and Elijah never died, right? They were raptured to heaven. Neither one of them experienced death. Both of them were prophets, Enoch a Gentile and Elijah an Israelite. Uh, The church fathers unanimously held to this view during the first 300 years of church history that they believed that it would be Enoch and it would be Elijah. God may ordain Elijah to speak to the Jews and Enoch to speak to... The Gentiles during the tribulation, we don't really know. It's nothing to to part company over. Still, some expositors say that these two witnesses will not be biblical personalities of the past. They reason that the text would surely identify famous Old Testament personalities if they were indeed coming back. They conclude the two witnesses will likely be new prophets that God specifically raises up for ministry during the tribulation. Either way, we really do not know, but we don't want to be here anyway. And so uh, we know that it's going to happen and we know that they're going to be powerful men and we're going to leave off there and pick up in um, what verse verse seven uh, tomorrow. So let me pray for us. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you till we talk again.